I V M. Welcome to episode 11 of Edges and Sledges. We're at the business end of the IPL group stages now. This week, of course, we've got another special guest. So with me, firstly, I've got my co-bloggers Ashwin in Toronto, DJ in London, myself, Arun in Singapore. And our special guest today is Gorvi Shah, who's also in Toronto. Hi, Gorvi. Hey. So Gorvi is a fan of the Mumbai Indians. Yeah, I have to call out that Gorvi has beaten all three of us in IPL fantasy a couple of years ago, where she, she topped the league. So, and she's doing pretty well this season too. Gorby, we'll talk today's our deep dive into the Mumbai Indians. Talk us through a little bit about your kind of association with uh, Mumbai Indians. You know, why do you support them? Have you always supported them from the start of the IPL? I'll just interrupt before you get into the details. On behalf of all of us at the blog and all our listeners, happy birthday to Varun. It's his birthday today. He's taken the time out to record the show despite it being his birthday. So I wanted to make sure we acknowledge that. So happy birthday to you. Thank you. Thank you. Despite my busy schedule of IPL doubleheader watching. (laughs) But uh, yeah, Gorby, so back to you. Uh, let's let's hear a little bit about Mumbai Indians. Yeah, so I uh, I was born in Mumbai, so it's just my, that's like the, the team I have to support. And I've been supporting ever since the beginning of the IPL. It's been good uh, supporting them because they have done very well throughout the years. I mean, they've won three times and it's been great. And also there was the whole Tendulkar thing back then, which is very exciting because everyone loves him. I do too. And yeah, so just been supporting them since the beginning of the IPL. Um, and they've done uh, pretty well for me and it's it's been nice. Awesome. So tell me, you, you mentioned the Tendulkar thing. How big a impact do you think Tendulkar has just sitting in the dressing room and watching these guys or being in, you know, in the in the presence of Sachin Tendulkar? I think it I think it does have a huge impact on their uh, morale as a team because he's just such a such an icon, of course. And even when he was he was sitting in the in the dugout, as soon as the cameras would pan to him, the entire crowd would go crazy. And I think just the crowd going crazy at uh, Wangkhede makes the team, it, it, you know, it just shows the team that there is a huge fan base for them. And it, uh, I think it propels them along. I mean, for what it's worth, when we were in England, I think it was you. He was not in the team, not in, not nowhere in the sights. And I think Varun and DJ started the crowd going and such and such. So yeah, I guess he's just that big of thing. At least we, uh, at least we did that in a cricket match. I heard in the Delhi Commonwealth Games in a game hockey game between Netherlands, <laughs> the crowd was shouting such and such. So at least we we were a bit more relevant. But yeah, no. So yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Sachin being there, we we spoke about it a little bit when Rohan was on the show as well. I think, or if I had a chat with him separately, I think just Sachin being there makes these guys want to do better and better. And and Bobby, tell me, what do you think about the team uh, before we get into this season? What do you think about the team? I mean, they they were like you said, they've won three IPLs. They've been through a bit of ups and downs. They've come back very strongly. And Ashun can talk a little bit about that later. But what do you feel about them retaining the core of the team? And core, pretty much mostly Indian. What, what do you feel about that? I think it gives the team a certain sort of uh, stability. And I think there are a lot of the younger, newer players are coming in and uh, using these stable players throughout the years just as uh, mentors. And I think that stability has helped the team in general. Even just even this year, like they, they weren't winning in the beginning. And I think just maintaining a certain composition has also helped them. 
significantly. Yeah, absolutely. And Ashwin, you know, we we talked about this earlier as well. Mumbai Indians seems to have this knack of coming back after losing the first few games. You know, I remember, I distinctly remember a season. I can't remember if it was the last year or the year before, but I think they needed to win almost every game, and they did that. So, do you have any kind of view on that, or any anything you want to share? Yeah. So it's. I mean, it's interesting when you look at the the numbers. It seems to be for me the rohit sharma effect okay so if you look at their first two years 2010 2011 they won seven of their first eight games and eight of their first 10 so they had this image of being a, a strong starters 2011s when they bought rohit in 2012 they started a little bit slowly but it was still okay and 2013 you know they had a pretty weak start that's when one of the games they got 92 all out and that's when ricky ponting stepped down stepped aside as captain and that's when mid season so not unlike what we've seen happen with delhi this year with gambhir mid season 2013 is when rohit sharma took over then of course they won the title that year when he's uh, when rohit took them the title but then 2014 they lost 5 of 5 and they still qualified for the playoffs five of the first five sorry qualified for the playoffs 2015 lost the first four out of four games and then Lendl Simmons came in and had a breakthrough season and won and then yeah so 2015 is really the year we're all thinking about where they needed those four game uh, four straight wins at the end to qualify and they did it but to me it's the rohit sharma effect and i the way i was reading this i said it doesn't feel unlike his batting i mean even when he scored his odi double centuries he's 50 off 65 70 balls and then he hits 200 off the next 150 so maybe that's just the personality type slow starter and then no trusts and backs himself to accelerate at the end when it matters yeah i mean that's yeah that's very true bj ashwin mentioned about lendl simmons this season evan lewis you think they've got this knack kind of picking up that west indian opener who who generally performs quite well for them yeah, so simmons uh, used to come in towards the back half of the um, season usually and kind of score 50 after 50 and and get them through to the semis and then, and then the finals and the qualifiers Uh, Evan Lewis I think we spoke about him right in our in our first show the preview show that we did and he scored two international hundreds against against India so he's not an unknown quantity and they've they've done well to kind of find him and yes I mean he's now starting to get back into form he didn't have the best start he scored a couple of 50 but now he's and then he had a quiet time and now he's he's back into it when when it really matters for Mumbai so yes after slow start like the Mumbai Indians Lewis has also kind of come into his own now Yeah, and did it, have you been surprised at at, at Bumrah at all? This this IPL is not up to the mark, not up to expectations after a great last one year for India. Yeah, I mean, I think we spoke about this again uh, in one of the earlier shows where we were talking about Bumrah pulling his length back to become a Test bowler. And I think if you look at the stats, and one of the commentators mentioned it on on air as well that he's bowled many, uh, he he's bowled much fewer yorkers than he did in previous years. and that is i think in effect of him playing different forms of cricket i mean you can't bowl the same length in uh, one day cricket and uh, test cricket and he's obviously had a very successful start to his test career now in south africa and it remains to be seen whether he can adjust to the different demands of the different format of the game and i think you'd mentioned that he was still young so over the next 2 3 years he that that i think is what he needs to work on but i mean he is still a very very good death bowler and I mean India and the Mumbai Indians will rely on him towards the death overs. I I don't think it's been unsurprising given his workload but uh, yes there is scope for improvement. Yeah. And I think the the the, the commentator's favorite word youngsters right so gorvi what do you think do you think surya kumar yadav and ishan kishan have kind of turned this team around they they're really the new guys in the team they're batting at num- literally number 1 and 3 for a lot of the games uh, how big do you think their impact has been so yeah yadav has been very impactful i think he's given that stability in the beginning of the matches for for bombay to continue on so i think that's been really great ishan kishan as well i think he had some really good matches in the beginning recently i 
I don't know. Has he done really, really well in the last couple of games? I'm not sure, but I, I think recently he hit a 17 ball 50. Yeah, yeah. He took the game apart. So yeah. Yeah. So that does give uh, the rest of the team something to look forward to if, if the beginning has stabilized the innings. Absolutely. All right. Next point from one brother to another. What do you think about the Pandya brothers? I mean, Hardik has clearly bowled better than he's batted. But there was chat um, that I was having. Uh, does Kurnal deserve a place in the Indian team? Because is he the is he the all rounder that India needs instead of Hardik? But yeah, any thoughts on the Pandya brothers? The, the younger one is obviously better, right? A younger is always better, right? Uh, younger. <laughs> No, I mean, I think they, they've been good for Mumbai, like Gauri said, sort of for the continuity, for that to build, continue building the team culture around them. It was great that both of them made it back uh, into the side. I think what's been interesting for me, I think I'm as an India fan, I'm nervous about Hardik's season. Like, yeah, okay, 14 wickets now, but really, he was picking up junk wickets in the last couple of games. So, great from an IPL fantasy point of view, but not, you know, not bowling those beautiful deliveries that pick up wickets, in my point of view. So, I, I mean, DJ, I know, has felt pretty strongly about Kronal in the last little bit and maybe him serving our middle-order woes. I think my generally general point of view is between now and summer of 2019, I don't think we're going to, India's going to bring new players into the squad. So, Kronal having been never played for the country, I think it's a stretch to think they'll bring him into the squad. Sort of evidence from the fact that even for the upcoming series, they've kept, retained some of the guys who've played for the country before. They haven't really brought in that much new blood in the ODI side. I mean, I guess net, they've both had average seasons. I think Cronel has showed his prowess with the bat more. Hardik maybe has picked up more wickets. Uh, I think if they, we saw in the last game, if both of them can come good, Mumbai is unstoppable. I mean, if you have somebody like Kishan firing at the top and then the depth with Hardik and Cronel, they're unstoppable, but I think they need to, to up their game a little bit more. Okay, yeah, fair enough. DJ, the most important question for you. What is up with the name, man? Like, Mumbai Indians? I mean, I, I do have some thoughts here. Like, if you support Delhi, are we not Indians? I mean, if you prick us, do we not bleed? If you tickle us, do we not laugh? What is up with Mumbai Indians, man? What's it's up un- with the- It's unimaginative. That, that's that's the problem. And I mean, I'm not a Mumbai Indians fan. I'm, I never really have been because, firstly, Delhi versus Bombay to start with. I mean, there's obviously like a bit of feeling there. Secondly, it's owned by like some of the richest people in India. So you kind of just think that they'll buy the next new toy or the next shiny thing that they want to see and put it in their team. It's literally like we play fantasy cricket. They actually play that in real life with real players. So it's like, okay, I like the look of Rohit Sharma. Let me get him into our team. Anyway, so they're a bit like the Manchester United kind of... Maybe not Manchester United. That's probably the wrong... Um, they're kind of like the Chelsea of... They're also blue. Um, they're kind of like the Chelsea of the IPL. And so I've never really liked them. And their name is simply, I mean, it's just unimaginative. And I mean, they could have come up with something quite a lot better. I don't know, the Mumbai Marauders or, or something. Like Mumbai that, Indians that, just... Sorry, I have, but I have to say that using this double M's is a bit unimaginative. What, was it, what about the double G's, like the Gurgaon Guardians? Gurgaon Guardians would be great, but the Mumbai Mavericks, that would be a good name. I'm just going to say on the name, it's... It's unimaginable. Maybe we should give Gorby an opportunity to defend all the hateful comments by DJ because we're three Delhi fans. Yeah. <laughs> two, two things I wanted to say. On the name, they've sort of copied. It's not unusual. Like in the 
in the National Hockey League in North America, the Montreal team is called the Montreal Canadiens. And then in baseball, the New York team is the New York Yankees, which is a little bit removed, but also... So it's not... It's, they've, I think they've just sort of copied that. The second thing that, that's interesting is, you know, if you look at the stats, clearly there's only two teams with alliteration in their name, which is Delhi and Rajasthan. And after the first year, it hasn't really worked. I think you need a... You'd need a three-letter name, you know, like CSK or SRH. So Kings 11 Punjab? But it's KXIP 4 or is it 3? <laughs> well, Kings 11, yeah, KXIP would be 4. But I think Delhi needs to come up with a better name, guys. I think that's the issue. Well, Numerology-wise, it's probably not that great. You could call it the triple Ds because daredevils could be two words, right? There you go. That's true. You could just add one. Daredevils. <laughs> okay, let's let, let Gauravi answer about the name. I have no defense. It's a it's a pretty unimaginative name, as you said. Yeah. Like I I love the team. The team is great, but the name is not really that great. But yeah, as, as Ashwin said, it's a it's a done thing. I think just the proudest team of the country would uh, use the country's name within the team. So <laughs> okay, there you have it from the Mumbai Indians fan. So let's move on to our second section. So Ashwin is going to walk us through some of the uh, qualification scenarios. Like I mentioned at the start, we're in the last week of the IPL. I think there's uh, probably nine games to go after today. So, Ashwin, yeah, what, what's the latest on the qualification? Yeah, so as we record this, we are in between the Mumbai-Rajasthan match. So, CSK has just defeated Hyderabad, which opened, which changed this thing a little bit. So, I'll just quickly run through the eight teams and walk through where we are and what needs to be true. Hyderabad at the top is effectively through, is, is mathematically through. They could lose all their games by huge margins and they're through. CSK is probably, in my opinion, more than 80% likely to go through. They're sitting on 16 points. They're most likely to go through. They need a, several different results to go against them. And, of course, for them to lose both their final two games, for them to miss out. So I would say, for all intents and purposes, CSK is through as well. They also have a very healthy net run rate. This is where we get to the middle of the table. It gets interesting. Punjab has three games left. So... They've played 11 so far. They need two wins to guarantee their spot. They could mathematically make it through with just one one win. Okay, but I, I would say if you're a Punjab fan, you're banking on two wins. I would same almost the exact same situation for KKR, uh, except KKR only has two games left. So if KKR wins both their games, they're pretty much guaranteed a spot. If they win one, they're going to be watching. It's going to basically come down to the final day, which is next Sunday, which is the final doubleheader. Those are those matches are going to be key. Down to the next two teams, fifth and sixth, Mumbai and Rajasthan. Mumbai, I would say, have the benefit. So they're 10 points after 11 games. They have the benefit of net run rate on their side. Despite having lost more games than they've won, they have a, a the highest positive net run rate in the side, higher than Hyderabad, higher than CSK. And that really comes down to the fact that when they lost, they lost by really narrow margins. And when they won, they won big. So Mumbai is in a really good place from net run rate. I think Rohit will be saying to his boys they need all three wins. Although I will say technically, mathematically, they can still lose one of their three and, and make it through. So that's an interesting place for Mumbai. Same thing with Rajasthan Royals. They need at least two wins. They would they would be pushing for all three. So really in the middle of the table, whichever of the four teams, Punjab, Rajasthan, Mumbai and KKR, whichever of the four teams gets two wins in their next couple of games, they're the ones that have it through. KKR does, has the benefit, has the disadvantage of only having two left. Delhi, of course, at the bottom is out. I mean, I will say Bangalore in seventh place. I have to put it out there. Mathematically, they could, if they win all, they can still, they can make it. But there's a very likely scenario where they actually win all three of their remaining games and still don't make it through. So I would say if you're a betting person, Bangalore and Delhi are out. CSK and Hyderabad are through. And the tussle in the middle for those third and fourth spots is getting really exciting. So, so DJ, who are your top four predictions? I think KKR and 
Kings Eleven. We'll make it along with CSK and Sunrisers. I don't think MI is going to actually make it through this time. Neither is Rajasthan because I think KKR are just too strong once they once they get going. And we saw what they could do right against the Kings Eleven Punjab, and they just—I mean—they scored 245, which was just great to watch. And their big players are starting to come good. Nareen scored some runs. Russell scored uh, some runs. Took some wickets. I don't see Mumbai or uh, Rajasthan going through. I, I think it's going to be Kings Eleven as well as uh, KKR. But I guess we'll have to wait and watch. Yeah. So my prediction is exactly the same as DJ. Actually, Gauri, what about you? Well, I hope Mumbai makes it. I, I, I want Mumbai to make it. I do think uh, DJ's point about KKR being strong and showing up at this stage is is true. So I do think KKR will make it, and I really hope Mumbai can pull through given their current momentum uh, with the last few wins. Great. So that wraps up the qualification section. I guess over the next few days we'll get a clearer idea. DJ, yeah, do you want to take over? It's time to move to our third segment. Yeah. So the third segment, like we've been doing for the last few weeks, it's called Edge or Sledge. Like every week, uh, we'll. Ask a question to all each of the panelists, and they will answer with edge, which is a negative answer, or sledge, which in our show is a positive answer, or touch and go if they it's kind of unanswerable or they can't really say. So I think the first question we had on our list was: Is constantly changing the team a good thing or a bad thing? Is it an edge or a sledge or is it a touch and go? Ashwin, maybe we'll start with you. So I'm just going to run through some quick stats on this first. In the 11 to 12 matches that most teams have pl- that most teams have played so far, bottom of the table, Delhi has played 22 players out of their squad, including four who've played either one or two games. And top of the table, Sunrisers Hyderabad has only played 18 players. So you can argue the economist or statistician means that correlation doesn't imply causation. So you, it's hard to say whether Delhi has played a lot of people because they've had bad results or they've had bad results because they're not keeping the constant side. Second most number of players used, by the way, is Bangalore, who's second from the bottom. So net of this, I'm saying this is an edge for me. I think Rohit showed up at the toss today and said, we're playing the same team. Kartik has showed up a couple of times. So we're going to back the same team. I am a fan of giving people a couple of, a couple of chances. That doesn't serve me well as a fantasy cricketer where I keep freaking trying the same guys and hoping they'll succeed and it often doesn't work. But I think edge for me that the teams that constantly change their side. Gorvi? Yeah, same for me. It's an edge because as Ashwin touched upon, there were a few captains who came in and said, uh, hey, we're going to back the same side. We're going to support the the people who haven't really had a chance to shine. And I do think it does boost uh, the morale of an individual to be chosen again. When the, you know, just making one mistake or, or having one bad inning doesn't necessarily mean you have to be thrown away from the side. So that's an edge for me. Varun, yeah. what, about, what about what are your thoughts on this? Same. I think same for me. I think I totally back playing a consistent side. I think there are one or two players that might be variable, but generally back the, the same team. I think also over the years, you've noticed the purple cap and the orange cap, the fight towards the end becomes among a similar group of players, right? So... There is something that we've spoken about before on consistency and momentum. So I think that's important. I think for me, it's actually a sledge because so for someone like Delhi, we've used 22 players and maybe that's actually a symptom of having lost so much. So they, you know what they said, you should change a losing game. Don't change a winning game, which is why Sunrisers haven't changed their winning game. Yeah. So for me, it's a sledge. I mean, if you're losing, there's no point playing the same players again and again. So yes, there is something to be said for consistency. There's something for backing players, but 
someone like a mayank agarwal for example i mean he had a great ranji season and i think we spoke on the whatsapp group about he hasn't done anything this season i keep picking him because he's an uncapped player and i mean i haven't got anything back for it and uh, manish pandey is another one which uh, some of our friends were questioning has he done anything this season and i mean apart from that stunning catch i can remember one very very slow 50 and not very much else so that's a sledge for me so three edges and one sledge the next question in this section is do do we like bowlers being promoted up the order in this form of the game uh, we've seen nareen we saw ashwin do it for himself which failed uh, which uh, basically failed spectacularly and we saw harshal come up the order yesterday so varun maybe you can start with this one is is it an edge for you or a sledge for you the uh, bowlers coming up the order yeah i just for me the definite edge i mean i know nareen is the exception Uh, and we've also spoken about how he is a great athlete that he evolved his game over over the years but i don't i don't think it makes any sense it's like in a test match you might do it to send the night watchman i don't think ashwin is going to come and score 15 runs per over i also don't think in t20 cricket at one down there is any need to say that we need somebody to consolidate the innings there are enough good batsmen your top 6 are all professional batsmen if you can't get them to play anchor innings i don't think a bowler is expected to come up and do that so a big no no for me ashwin opposite actually for me i actually think it's a sledge i think it's a in t20 cricket it's all about that power play and so i think in those first six overs if you have somebody who you don't really care if you, if they lose their wicket if you lose their wicket because it's not going to be the end of the world it's, it's not you know like an ashwin coming up the order but if they can even get you know 25 30 runs off eight to 10 balls it gives you that momentum going in so i think it was a shot in the dark with narayan a few years ago and it worked i think if you have a side where you can afford to send a bowler up with nothing really to lose and just really go after it i think it's great and i'm just trying to pull up really quickly because you specifically called out ashwin but I, ashwin came in late yesterday he had 45 of 22 in the chase against kkr hey that knock may have given them the nut run rate advantage they need because although kkr made 245 he got punched up to 214 in the chase so i think where you can just have nothing to lose and unleash it's a plus a sledge for me about ashwin ashwin came down the order right yeah, he didn't yeah, go sure. up the order but, so but it was with a the power play with only three guys out to the circle i think you may have had more he may have had an opportunity to hit up the order but then but the the challenge for me is that in a 20 over game why not just ask one of your top 6 to play that role your probability or your chances of success might be higher because they might be playing better shots cricketing shots yeah but it, that risk is much higher because if your top 6 guy gets out in the first over your other guys then need to rally and consolidate and say okay let's play out till the 12th then we hit start hitting again whereas if ashwin goes in and gets out in the first over nothing to lose you then just continue on as normal so that just might it gorvey Yeah I think it's uh, I think it's kind of individually match dependent because in some cases I think it's worth mixing it up and bringing the bowlers up uh but in some cases I think a more traditional scenario might be more beneficial so for me it would be a touch and go depending on the match in some cases it's worked in some cases it's not I think we need to see future matches and see how that trend plays out Yeah I'm I'm with Gorvi on this it's a touch and go for me as well because if you remember the first time this came up was the pinch hitter concept in one day cricket where Pat Singcox I think came up the order against India and scored 50 odd and then every team had a <laughs> What what was that word? Do you want to talk us through what what he used to put the ball in his underarm to get nice strike? <laughs> He did. He had Fanny de Villiers. I swear. Anyway, Fanny de Villiers is apparently the guy who un- unearthed all of Sandpaper Gate. By the way, he's the guy who told the broadcasters yeah. to keep an eye on Bankrupt. So anyway, so, sorry, sorry, Pope. Fa- Fanny is going to be really upset. You've been calling him Fanny, but 
Funny. Can you imagine not even being the most famous De Villiers after that? Like, what a unfortunate situation. <laughs> <story. laughs> like, how many are there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's such a go for me. I think the ele- once the element of surprise is gone, I mean, people have now worked Nareen out. They bowl short to him. And he will eventually just lose his wicket. So, it has to be, I think, dependent on, on the on the tournament. And you've got to back your batsman to score the runs. That's what they're in the team for. If I was a batsman in KKR, I would be quite annoyed that there's a bowler going up before me. And But, but anyway, that's... equivalent to a bowler being annoyed that a Nitish Rana or a Suresh Rana or somebody got the ball for an over and picked up a wicket. Why, why but that's why they're called, they're called a part-timer for a reason. Right? Yeah. And then if you get out to a part-timer, you're actually annoyed. Because they're not meant to be taking those wickets or are in the team to do that job. So, in a 20-over game, which is so compressed, I would have thought that you get your specialist to just... I mean, Chris Lynn. You've got Chris Lynn, who's just baseball style, just tees off. You've got enough batsmen. KKR have so many batsmen. Anyway, but it's worked for them. And I think if they pull it as a, as a surprise element with a logic to it, with a team that's well bowling its spinners well or something, I think it makes sense then. But doing it every game, I think it, it's a touch and go for me. Okay, uh, just moving on to the next one quickly. The number of awards that are given away at these, at these ceremonies, guys. I mean, do we think they're too many? Or do we think they're too few? And what are, what are your thoughts on, I don't know, I can't even remember the name of these Fair Play Awards. Is it the VBB Fair Play Award or Vivo Catch of the Match or the Stylish Player of the Match? I mean, there's so much advertising, I, I can't even keep track of it anymore. But I'm going to try and simplify the, the question too. Is, uh, is the number of awards too little or too too many? Is it, an, is it, is it edge or is it sledge? I, I think as a marketeer, I'm going to have to say it's, it's just right. I mean... Uh, <laughs> Good way to get your I mean, a yes bang maximum, a Vivo IPL. Yeah, okay, fine. I, I tried. It, it, it's too many damn awards. You can't remember the names. Yeah, it's just too many. And you mentioned the Fair Play Award as well. Yeah, I think first time in the history of IPL, you have a team that's at the bottom of the points table and the bottom of the Fair Play Awards table. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and it's not surprising that that team is being led by Ricky Ponting. So, yeah. <laughs> ouch, ouch, Gorvi, your thoughts on the number of awards? Can you can you name an award for us while we're at it? <laughs> no, well, the Fair Play Award for me was kind of like a miscongeniality. Like you give it to who you know is losing, but as Varun said, like this is the first time this has happened. So I don't know about that anymore. No, there, there, I think there are too many awards. It's an edge. But at the same time, I do see the point. This is a very commercial tournament and you need to advertise. And so I see the point, but I don't agree with it. Ashwin? Yeah, also edge. My personal beef is with the Tata Nexon Super Striker Award. Because you basically are giving... <laughs> see, I can name them. But you're basically giving it to the guy who hit sixes. And how many Tata Nexons is, is, does Andre Russell need? I bet he's driving a fancier car. I remember specifically... In the Do they get a car for every match? Yeah, I think they get a car for every match. So, what? Yeah, I th- maybe I'm wrong. But I specifically oh, have this... Really wrong. I, have this cars. I have this memory in the mid-90s, on the, in the same month when I think it was announced that Sachin bought his Ferrari and was driving it on Marine Drive, he won Man of the Series in the Suzuki Award or something, and they gave him this shitty little <laughs> Suzuki. And I just distinctly remember, what is what does Sachin do with all the cars? And all, at the time, Hero Honda was a big sponsor. What do they do with all these bikes? So I just have issue with them constantly winning vehicles, but they all drive nicer cars. <laughs> 
But I just want to say one thing is that if they didn't have these many awards, really, what is Himanshu from Kitty going to do? Like he has to give an award. Okay, is this the guy who does the thing? Yes. Oh my, that's the, with the muchi. Is that yes. guy? Yes, Himanshu. And Danny Morrison loses, and he's like, "Look at these guys go every time." And so, what does this guy do? What What is What is his? Uh, yeah, yeah. So w- you got to move the head a lot more than that. Yeah, but, but what is that? What is that? I don't know. I have no idea. It's apparently no, government. You know what it is. No, but I think you have to watch Kitchery to know. But the commentators. It's a show. <laughs> it's a comedy show, I believe. But the commentators have to stagger schedules because you can't fly to every match to be at every. This guy somehow manages to be at the morning game in Pune and the evening game in Bangalore. I don't know how he does. Dude, imagine if there's twins and the two of them are doing this to us. <laughs> Maybe there's multiple. Maybe there's eight or ten. <laughs> like Maybe each of them has a Tata Nexon. <laughs> Dude, I think, I think DJ, that is a star plus nice search award right there. <laughs> so, yeah, but what is up with all these awards? I mean, I think they should uh, give the award to a guy who hits the car while hitting a six. Yeah. <laughs> he breaks that the screen, that guy it. gets the car. Has that, that ever happened? The Car Insurance Award. The Aviva car, Motor Car Insurance Award. Because you don't have to glass open Wow. You should try marketing for a living. I think I'm marketing, man. No, the only thing I wanted to say, the one in New Zealand, they have this award for somebody in the crowd. If, the, if somebody hits a six and you catch it one-handed in the crowd, you win $50,000. That's yep. a great award. You see all these guys who don't know how to field, raising one hand, trying to catch it and for spilling the beer in the other hand. It just makes it entertaining. There's no spot. Yeah, no so there was a similar thing in South Africa. If you buy a t-shirt, which the proceeds go to uh, charity, and you're wearing that t-shirt when you catch it one-handed, you then get like, I think it's a million rand or something. So it's quite a lot of money. But I mean, there's a lot of things that have to fall into place for that. But I mean, it's interesting and it's for charity. So it's are good. Allowed, are you allowed one bounce before? The one to one hand? I was just going to say uh-huh. when this... It has to be clean. Becomes, it has to be clean. When this when this block becomes big, we're going to sponsor a one to one hand award. What's that going to entail? I mean, if you if a spectator catches it with one bounce <laughs> and it catches it with one hand. Yeah, maybe you can and win does a award. Then you have to throw it up like Dhoni. Yeah, maybe maybe you win a watch or something for that hand. Like you know, that'll be cool. Yeah, that's going to be the limit of our sponsorship—a watch for that hand, not for the other one. <laughs> the <laughs> Just the, the one that tip one hand award. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving anyway, moving on, guys. I I think we've all come to the conclusion that's a bit of an edge. So uh, the next one is the introduction of the first ever Nepalese player to the IPL. Sandeep Lamichane, who we've been calling Lachimane for some reason, but we've been reliably informed that it's Lamichane. <laughs> Guys, edge or sledge? I think we'll go with Gorbi first because Varun's laughing too hard. So, Gorbi, do you want to tell us what your thoughts are on the introduction of uh, Lamichane and his performance yesterday? I think it's uh, kind of interesting to bring the Nepali TV audience into the mix because as soon as you bring one guy, like you have an entire country's uh, ratings go up. So I think that that's really interesting from a marketing perspective. But we have two marketers online, so let's talk to them. Guys, can I just say Archer's just taken two wickets, eighty-seven, oh, including Rohit. No for duck. No, Rohit got up. Yes. Zero of one ball. 
Sorry, guys. I, I apologize. Uh, I was just checking the score. So, uh, Lami Chane, bringing the Nepali audience in. Ashwin? I, I mean, I think Edge, from a cricketing perspective, if they wanted to bring in this great Leggy, I think Rohan said it on a show earlier, you got to bring him early, early in the season. Try him out, see what works. If he does stick, I mean, that's what happened with Rashid Khan two years ago. So, big edge from a cricketing standpoint. Huge sledge from a marketing standpoint. They've, Delhi has nothing to lose anymore. Try every, They brought Junior Dalla, they brought, who got stonked <laughs> all around the park. So, do whatever you can to get value for money for people you've paid to sit on the bench. And bring in new audiences. Varun? Yeah, I think firstly, Junior Dalla is this weird double skip in his jump. I don't know if you have seen his action. <laughs> Um, it's yeah, it's very funny. So for all the listeners, please go Google Junior Dalla bowling action. But can you, can you um, quickly? Can you just get up and do uh, imitate it? I'm not not right now, man. I think it's a bit inappropriate. But <laughs> what are we talking about? Junior Dalla's bowling action and uh, Lamichane. Let, let's focus on Lamichane, man. Lamichane. I think it's a big sledge. Only very quickly. The only reason is because I don't think anyone thought he's going to play at all. And the fact that he has played is good. You need to start somewhere. Hopefully, we see more of him. So it's a sledge for me as well. Um, he bowled really well yesterday, I thought. And I mean, Ayer has come out and said as much. He's just said that we don't really care. We're looking at next year. So we'll just um, try out all our players. Is basically what he said in the presentation yesterday. And so I gave him to uh, Delhi. Hopefully, they can hold on to these hold on to these players. And that brings us to the last question in this section, which is, is Delhi basically becoming a feeder for other teams? So with the auction and the changing around of teams every year, We've talked about last week, I think, all the players that do well, uh, sorry, don't do well at Delhi, go elsewhere and become superstars for those teams. So is Delhi now basically becoming the, the a feeder team for the rest of the IPL? I think for me, it's it's a bit of touch and go. I think uh, I don't think Delhi is feeding these players to the IPL and like they're not succeeding. I think it comes back to DJ what you said. If they're not working for the team, does it make sense to keep keeping them in the squad? We've had Warner, Dilshan, AB, Viru, Gotti. And we've not run anything, right? So, yeah, it, it's touch and go. It's touch and go. No, I think it's touch and go as well. I think the thing is, I'm not sure if Delhi is a feeder team as much as there must be something with the team dynamic there that's making these players who end up performing really well in other teams not shine while they're in Delhi. So, I'm not sure that's something to think about. So, that's a, a bit of a touch and go. Ashwin? I know you're going to feel about this quite strongly. So It's an edge for me, I guess. It's unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, I think Delhi returning Morris this year is an example of not having long-term vision, not having the the desire to build a core. Now, they did well by retaining Pant and Ayer, but I think the strategy just hasn't been there. It's been sort of what we talked about with the team changes, where I thought it was an edge to be changing your team. You're playing 11 every game. Delhi's changing their, their core squad, 15, 20 people every year. So it's an edge for me. It's unfortunate. There's good talent going elsewhere and doing well. Hopefully they can stick to it, keep the, the core whole. There you have it, guys. That's the edges and sledges section. Uh, back to you, Varun. So I think, yeah, I think we've, um, we've covered most of the topics today. I just one other point I wanted to bring up the... In the news, we saw recently two things related to Cricket Australia. So, I think firstly, uh, Cricket Australia, uh, BCCI has rejected Cricket Australia's proposal for India to pay, play their first day-night test in Adelaide. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it was, it's just, to me, it's a little bit sad. I think it is a little bit of a short-term view from the BCCI. The way I see it is that the Australian team without Smith, Warner, is a little bit weaker. I have, I mean, again, this is just my reading. I think... BCCI wants to go in for the kill, try to not play something that they have never looked at or seen before. And um, I think it will deter them completely. So, I understand 
where BCCI is coming from, but I don't think it's a good thing. I, I feel day-night cricket, test cricket needs to be saved. I think ICC is making an attempt to try day-night cricket to save it, given all the T20 hype. But yeah, I don't know if you guys have anything quick you want to add. I think the justification given was that commercially it didn't work because of the timings. But I'm, I'm not sure that is completely right because obviously the later it is in the day in Australia, the better it is for an Indian TV audience. So I haven't actually understood why they've said that. Hopefully we'll see India play day and night test match soon. Yeah, and then the second piece of news was that they actually cancelled Bangladesh tour of Australia where I think they were scheduled to play some ODIs and tests. And again, I guess disappointing, right, from a cricket fan perspective. I was reading somewhere, and I'm not sure if this is accurate, but... I think Bangladesh hasn't travelled to Australia since 2003. So, 15 years they haven't gone down. They have tremendously improved as a side. From their perspective, they would have really been looking forward to this tour. And this is where I actually understand that it's not commercially viable enough for Cricket Australia, mm. especially given a couple of the big players are not playing. And they say it's off-season, it's more of a football season. So... I, I understand it. I just personally think it's 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 disappointing for Bangladesh fans. Yeah, I would just build on that. I think we always talk about how, you know, before a test match, when a new player gets his cap, they huddle around. It's this really exciting moment. You get your test cap to play for your country. Ireland and Pakistan is going on as we record this. Imagine if it's exciting for one or two new guys to get their caps. All 11 got their test caps for Ireland, right? They got to be the first test players for Ireland. So it is exciting. It is the responsibility of bigger teams to bring newer nations into the fold so I'm just with you I think it's disappointing it's been a bit of a disaster though, that first test match for Ireland I mean their first innings as a test nation has been 107 there I think they're for nine now so and, and that's gonna happen I think you know, mm. big growing pains India had a rough patch in the 60s and 70s Sri Lanka had a really tough time when they became a test playing nation it's going to happen but as it as it does it'll evolve and you'll have better performances over time agreed agreed Alright, so that's the end of our show. So thanks, Gaurav, for coming on the show. Well, actually, it, it shouldn't be the end of our show. Why don't you tell us about your fantasy performance this, this yeah. week? Talk, talk, us through, talk us through your meteoric rise, as you call it. Uh, meteoric rise? Okay, basically, I think I've had a very good last four days. I have jumped from 16th to 6th. And I think the only thing out there is to back your gut, back your instincts. And save the multiplier because all four out of... All four people on this podcast today, three have used two multipliers. Only I have one extra one left. So like I said, guys, that multiplier is going to come in stealth mode. So you never know. You never yeah, know. but you don't need to use stealth mode, man. Why? Because I don't scroll down. You better scroll down, my friend. It's only two down now. But you're consistently 2,000 points off the top. I'm so your position has really You changed. are also a thousand points off the top, my friend, DJ. Yeah, dude, I've given up that. Uh, the guy who's on top, actually, he's just been untouchable. It's just shocking. Varun and I were discussing. We've never seen a fantasy season like this before. I mean, it's just insane. It's insane, yeah. Fantasy tip, guys, only one week to go. Uh, use your multipliers effectively. People with more subs will definitely have a field day. But yeah, last one week to go before the playoffs. All right, with that, we come to the end of the show. So, yeah, guys, we've got our podcast. We'll have the video posted on Facebook. Share, like, and, and yeah, down, download our podcast and have a listen. Thank you. Hello, 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 everybody. It's been another great week on the IBM Podcast Network. On What the Hell Navya, Jaya Bachchan, Shwetananda, and Navya herself dish out stories from their childhood. They discuss tough love between parents and their kids. 
On Paisa Vesa, Anupam talks to Baman Irani, President-elect Kredai, and Chairman and MD at Rustamji. They discuss the concept of buy versus rent and how to approach buying property in 2022. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus is joined by Meghnath and comedian Shad Shafi. They discuss their opinions on the ongoing Congress presidential elections and Prashant Kishore embarking on a padhyatra. On the Life Manifesto, Zarina narrates a story that advocates that stress and emotions are not to be controlled but must be beautifully managed. And on the Filter Coffee podcast, Karthik is joined by Yashraj Akashi, Senior Ambassador of the TEDx program and Curator of TEDx Gateway. They discuss the origin story of TED and its franchise model. Guys, go to our website, ivmpodcast.com. You can check out the merch store, also links to all of our social media stuff, which is at IVM Podcast. Also, do check out our YouTube channels. We have a number of channels with many of your favorite shows available as full video podcasts. Finally, we'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thank you so much for making this possible. Do you often find yourself surrounded by conversations about Web3, blockchain, NFTs, DAOs? What are these terms and how do they affect our future on the internet? So many questions, but don't worry, we've got answers to all your questions. Hi, I'm Eklavya Bhattacharya and on our show Future Proofing, we try to decode the impact of these future technologies on various industries with experts and tech enthusiasts. Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IBM Podcast app and the website or wherever you get your podcasts from. Working Monday to Friday glued to your chair making you feel dull? Worry not. Get your 5-minute weekly dose of travel around the world with postcards from nowhere. Join me every Thursday as I explore the strange, obscure and fascinating parts of the world and bring out facets of travel you may not have thought of before. You can find us on the IBM Podcast app, website or wherever you get your podcast from.